Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. My name is Jen Brady, and I'm an author. I have, in the past, published several books that are more middle grade in nature. And a couple of years ago, I decided to branch out into young adult sweet romance. And the first project I took on under this new genre to me was a retelling of Little Woman. So I have four books and there's one for each of the sisters. Uh, you can read them independently. You don't have to read one before the other, but if you read them in order, there are threads that kind of weave among along the whole series. So it's best to read them in order, but you don't have to. Um, and I just had a lot of fun adapting little women for you know 2021 one of my friends on instagram she had read some of your books and i told you that you are coming back and then she sent a question oh yeah she's asking what did you especially focus on when writing the meg and john relationship in this century um well i guess it was the social aspect because so much was made of the wealth versus the poor in making the matches in the original and how so many women were wanting to or having to marry for money and how Meg kind of chose not to. She married for love. And in this day and age, yeah, that still can be something that that happens, but women have a lot more opportunities now. Uh, They don't have to to be told that they need to consider uh, that kind of thing. So while the money issue was kind of in the book, it was more the social aspect of the popularity and the, can this person get you where you want to be in life? And, you know, that kind of thing rather than the money. So I guess I focused mainly on the social aspect and what what the friends think and what, you know, your social circles are going to say if you date someone who is maybe out of your social circle, uh, that kind of thing. Because I see that a lot in, you know, teenagers and social media and high school life. And I think that that is kind of a, a tough issue, maybe more so than some of the things that were involved in the original book. I think that social aspect was also important in the 19th century but they definitely put way more weight on how wealthy the person was yeah unfortunately like you said there wasn't that many opportunities for women to have a job at all so it's kind of makes sense that you had to marry someone who could provide to you and your family yeah definitely when i was reading your book i did feel that it translated very well to this century because you brought the story to high school world where reputation is very important and there are all these different social classes in high school in the same way that there is in Little Woman. I thought it translated very well to this particular story. Well, thanks. I kind of thought that it was the easiest one to adapt. Some of the other ones... I kind of really had to think hard about, you know, what would that, what would that look like 
in our time. That one, it pretty much kind of fell into place. There were a lot of really easy parallels. Yeah, like Meg going to Vanity Fair. Yeah. That's pretty easy to put into the context of trying to be popular in high school. I would like to ask you, when did you begin writing? I have old notebooks that you can barely read because my printing is so bad because I'm in like second grade that are basically fan fictions of various Saturday morning cartoons that my friends and I used to like to watch. So that. Yeah, I've been interested in writing and creating stories. And, you know, even what I did here, adapting or kind of expanding the world of characters and stories that I already enjoyed. So I liked doing the fan fiction when I was younger. And as I got older, I started creating my own stories and I just kind of never stopped writing. What other fandoms you like besides the old woman? The big one for me growing up was Star Trek. My mom loved Star Trek, uh, the original series. So when I was old enough, I never really got into that one, but I loved The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. And I still, every now and then, I'll go back and be like, okay, I'm going to watch a season of Star Trek. So I was real big into science fiction and fantasy. Star Wars is another one. I don't know why people think you have to have a favorite or choose between them because yeah. they're both awesome. <laughs> My husband and I have just been recently into The Mandalorian and The Boba Fett, and now. We're waiting for our son to have some time so that we could all watch the new Obi-Wan Kenobi one. Mm-hmm. So I was into a lot of science fiction and fantasy fandoms. My sister's a massive Star Trek fan. Well, there's so much Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> so you can you can go down that rabbit hole for days. <laughs> she so only much. agreed to watch the 1978 Little Woman because it had William Shatner. Oh, <laughs> that's but, funny. But she did like it. Oh, I thought of one other fandom that I was huge into. I still like, but as a teenager, oh my gosh, North and South, the miniseries. Oh, yeah. And I, I kind of watched that for the same reason as your sister, because um, Jonathan Frakes, who was on The Next Generation, he was one of my favorite actors on that. He was in North and South. And so I started watching North and South. And then I think it was like 30 minutes into it. I was in love with that that fandom and my friends and I also wrote fan fiction about North and South. (laughs) I think we talked about this a little bit the last time that perhaps John is not that popular as Laurie and Frederick because he's more introverted than he's extroverted. Yeah I would I would agree he's not one that really stands out on your first read or your first viewing of the the movie as much as maybe the other men but I've I've always really liked John he just kind of seems like a strong maybe that strong and silent kind of type yeah he's not as much focused on in things either well he really wasn't as well that's not true I was gonna say he wasn't in Little Women the original book as much but when you read the second half the Good Wives there is quite a bit of John and then he's in some of the sequels too. So he's there. He just, yeah, he isn't as, I guess, exciting. But I don't know. I I thought he had some really good qualities too. So I've always kind of been a fan of him. When I read Little Woman as a child, I didn't really pay that much attention to him. But then when I read 
Bill Woman more as a mature person in Camp Lawrence uh, chapter. There's this moment mm-hmm. when he tells this story, or they are like telling the story together. You know that play where you make make up something, yeah, and the other continues. Yeah, and they each told their own little paragraph, and and uh, it's a story about a knife that goes to save a princess, and John's princess is McMarch. Yeah, he's pretty cool. <laughs> and I thought when I read it for the first time. When I realized what I was reading as a teen, I was like, mm-hmm. that's a kind that's kind of racy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for back then it kind of probably was. Because yeah. Meg was 17 and he was maybe yeah. 27, 28. There was some kind of an age gap there as well. Yeah. It was pretty normal back then, so I yeah. don't think it's yeah, well, appropriate for the time period. Yeah. Inappropriate. They didn't, they didn't even bad an eye at it it didn't seem because they would talk about joe and frederick having a big age gap but no one ever said anything about meg and john even though you know they had 10 years or eight years or whatever but yeah that was pretty common lose my she had a thing for older guys older so. guys yeah and i think as a kid when i was reading little women and maybe this is where he kind of gets lost in the the shuffle you fo- you're more focused on the kid characters, the teenage characters, and he's always an adult. So maybe maybe that's why he doesn't make as much of an impression, especially on our first read-throughs, because a lot of times we're kids or teenagers when we first, first read the story. I think in the chapter uh, Camp Lawrence, there's mm-hmm. also the moment when he is rowing the boat with Meg and then Laurie is... They- his cousins, the rich cousins. Mm-hmm. No, not cousins, friends. Friends, from, yeah. From England, the, the girl is like, what are you doing for a living? And Maggie's like, I am a governess. And then she's like, oh, oh you have to work. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have to work? And right. John is like, I think being a governess is a really cool thing. And I just later on realized that, well, they're both teachers. <laughs> yeah, they are. I liked how he kind of kind of swoops in and tells is it Kate? I think yeah. her name is Kate. But uh, Kate Snobby sister. Yeah, the snobby sister yeah. of Fred. You know, maybe it, it's different in England, but here it it's looked up to if you can go support yourself and working isn't a bad thing. He he really valued that Meg was helping her family and a hard worker and kind of went in and was talking about that to get Kate off her back almost. That was one of those moments that really made me fall in love with John's character mm-hmm. later on. But yeah, I think yeah. he's more more of an introvert and with Beth maybe, and then the others mm-hmm. to be more extroverted. Yeah, I think so. And that's probably why he isn't as focused on, but he's still a great character. Did you use your own high school, college memories when writing this book? Maybe a little, but I was not like Meg at all. I was more of a shy Beth. I was never in with the in crowd or doing things like going to prom. And I guess I was more like the John character, not really feeling like I fit in in high school. And I was quiet and like to read and so maybe maybe you're right and I did draw on my <laughs> high school experiences I'm just now realizing but it wasn't for 
Meg. It was for the John character. You know the movie Mean Girls? Um, yes. When they go through all the cliques in the high school scenario, and then they go to the art art students. That's where I was. Okay. <laughs> it's a good place to be, too. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't like school that much. But when I went to art school, there was no cliques because we all came from that. All art students. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah high school wasn't my favorite time at no. all. <laughs> Um, it wasn't like a horrid experience or anything. I wasn't like horribly bullied or anything like that, but I just didn't really feel like I fit in there. I found my friends, my true friends in college and also at summer camp. Um, I was real big into summer camp and that's actually what I wrote about for the, my first series for 10, 15 years. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. That's kind of what I worked on mm. books about summer camp because that was more my things that had made an impression on me and the place where I'd had really good time. I never went to summer camp. <laughs> oh, you should have. It was so fun. Well, I had fun time in art school. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it's probably very similar in the whole finding people that you have things in common with. Like you said, there aren't cliques anymore because everybody loves art and has the same kind of viewpoint that's kind of what camp was that's true i was thinking what does little woman the original novel tells about john's background because i don't think it tells that much all i remember is he took care of his mom or something it kind of made it kind of alluded that she might have been elderly and ill or something i kind of went with the having to take care of the mom, but in a different way with um, addiction and stuff like that, rather than, because they really don't say much. You don't know. It's kind of a mystery, but that's basically what they say. And that I, he might've had a brother maybe in the original. I've written to my notes. He had ill mother who he sent yeah. money to and maybe a brother. Yeah. I don't think they really got into the backstory very much. Yeah. It's the same with Fredrik's character, only that he had a sister who right. sadly died, and two nephews. And the nephews. and John went to war, and in your version, he's planning to go to the Marines. Was that right? Um, National Guard. National Guard. Which is because I wanted him to be able to be accessible for other books. Mm. <laughs> if I would have sent him off to the Marines <laughs> or the Army or something, he'd be gone. So I did National Guard because... They have their regular boot camp and stuff, but then they live basically civilian lives, but they have training every, 
I think it's once a month I'll have a training and oh, okay but so in your version John's mom had addiction with alcohol he came from a very poor background and he tried to fake to his friends and everyone else that he came from a normal home and then we have Meg also trying to fake to her friends that she enjoys being the popular it girl yeah because in the Meg goes to Vanity Fair a lot of times what they focus on is oh Meg dresses up and Meg they they almost make it out that oh she's having fun and this is great and this is what she really wants and and she did she did want to you know run with that crowd but she also realized things she didn't like about it when she's being talked about (laughs) and when she's just realizing you know I thought I wanted to run with this crowd but maybe there's some negatives too so I tried to kind of focus on that in my book, the discovering who you are, and maybe that's not what you thought you wanted in life when you mature and grow up a little bit. I think that's a huge theme in Little Woman, in the original book as well, that the things that you want as a teenager are not necessarily those things that you want as an adult. Yeah, definitely. That's You can see that in a few of the different storylines. Yeah. And Louisa May Alcott's. Joe says that her castle in the air is to write books and own horses and be filthy rich. But then right. in the second book, there's the chapter All Alone. She realizes she wants companionship and mm, she wants someone to have a life with. Exactly. She still, she still does want to be a writer and she, she does write, but I think she's happier with the life that she ends up making for herself than the life that she maybe imagined as a 15 year old and I think what Meg wanted she wanted to be popular and have nice things and rich and she wanted to be like her friends and throwing the balls and buying the expensive fabric and keeping it and the pretty dresses and the servants and all that And then in the second part, she no longer wants those things. No, she just wants to be wife and mom and her own little little family. And it seems like she's pretty happy doing that. It is a big part of Little Woman storylines. Then you had Laurie making pranks. That was one of my favorite (laughs) parts in the original. And they they don't often adapt that. But they did in my introduction to little women which which was the cartoon from japan in the 80s i distinctly remember the episode where where Lori is doing the back and forth um letters and one of the reasons i remember it is because they changed the name on the paper they called him carl or something that when the people were speaking they said john and then when they show the letter in the in the cartoon it says like Carl or Kevin or something at the bottom and my friend and I would always rewind it and the character says as she's reading it your servant John Brooks or something but it clearly says a different name and my friend and I always thought that was hilarious so we'd rewind that part in the 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 tapes that my grandma would tape for us so I distinctly remember this prank part and it's never in the movies, and I'm always disappointed. So I wanted to make sure that 
I adapted the prank uh, of the fake letters to and from Meg and John. Only now it's 2021, so it was texting, of course. <laughs> when I read your book, I thought this is uh, the language is something that I could imagine him to use. He wrote in a way that Meg could recognize that wasn't written by John. Yeah. But it's worse in the original because Meg actually thinks that the letters came from John and she even replies to them. Yeah. So it It's really a vicious thing that he does in the original, but nobody speaks about it. Well, I do, but nobody else yeah. really <laughs> seems to do yeah. that. There's a few parts that really stuck out to me, either from the cartoon or the original book when I was younger that like have stayed with me and now when I read it I get to that part I'm like oh that's one of my favorite parts and they don't often pick it to the, to do the adaptations like one of my other favorite parts is the Amy and the art fair so I made sure to put the art fair in my my fourth book which is the Amy book but they never have the whole art fair debacle with the rival artist who gets her table and it's it really shows how she's grown as a character because she handles that disappointment pretty classy yeah whereas amy from the first book little women rather than good wives or is that in is that in i can't remember the younger amy definitely would have not handled that well she would have kicked up a fit and freaked out and older amy was very gracious and mm. I always liked that part and they never put that in any of the adaptations the pranks and the art fair are the two big ones I can think of that I wanted to make sure got in there so that is the benefit of creating your own version that you can add the things that you want to have there true another thing that they never add is the symposium with Joe and Frederick which is one of my favorites in the, oh, yeah. the novel is that in the Winona Ryder one there's something similar when they meet and they have the discussion about philosophy. Yeah. And he kind of cuts in and says he thinks women should be able to tell their opinions. Yeah, but it's just like a 30-second scene probably. Yeah, you're right. They never do put that in. Oh, uh, yeah. In the 1994 film, they kind of show that. But yeah, you're right. They never show it in full. And I think that's the only one. That's the only one I can remember having it in. Yeah, the symposium part. In the 2017, he invites her to the symposium, but then they don't include the symposium, and it makes me so angry. Is that the miniseries? Yeah, the miniseries. Like PBS was like it was two, two or three episodes or something. Yeah, I liked that one. I've only seen it once though, so I don't remember that one as well as some of the others. Oh, the Hollywood people bring the symposium to the. Little Woman adaptations, yeah. <laughs> please. And thinking uh, about the art fair, I think they should also include that or something like that, because if I remember right, there are these moments there where Amy and Laurie are a bit flirtatious in the book. Mm -hmm. Why that is not <laughs> in the movie? I don't know. Well, I mean, I've always said they need to do a good old-fashioned, like we were talking about North and South, 80s miniseries where it goes on for like 
six or seven days for two hours a day. They need to do something like that with Little Women because it's such a massive book and 90 minutes or two hours just isn't enough time. I mean, I had trouble putting everything in to four different books that I wanted <laughs> to fit in. Some things had to just fall by the wayside. And that was four different books. So I'm sure that the time restraints make it so that they can't but man wouldn't it be great to have an actual long mini series that you can fit all these fun little lesser known scenes into i would love that and i have the whole idea that they should include like laurie's point of view and then Friedrich's point of view and his life yeah. in berlin oh I'd, yeah. I'd love that that would be fun that was something that was fun about writing the book. I ended up doing eight viewpoints in the end, two per book. So it was kind of funny to write from the John point of view or the Lori point of view or the Friedrich, because I think we mainly get Joe's and then a little bit of Meg and Amy in the mm. original. Yeah. Uh, but not, you know, it's all kind of under the lens of Louisa May Alcott which is great. She's a great writer, but it kind of all, I don't know, it was like all under one viewpoint. And I always kind of wondered, you know, what these other characters thought, you know, how does, mm. what does Beth think about being the peacemaker of the family? You know, is it, is it exhausting <laughs> or is it, oh, someone's coming into my room. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so right. My husband and my cat just walked in. So just wait a minute waving back uh, I was thinking about the, the 1949 film there's this moment where Laurie is like it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed that's zero ATM fees zero balance requirements and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Why do you need to work, Joe? Do you need money? I, I have lots of money. Like, he doesn't really understand why the girls have to work. And right. I, I think I saw some of that in your in your book as well, because Larry is unproductive and he's lazy because everything has been handed over to him. He doesn't have to work and he doesn't have to to really try for anything. And I think when you grow up like that, you don't really understand. You can't really comprehend that there is another way of life for other people. I liked your book because it showed clearly that uh, how John is blown away when he enters the Lawrence home. And then he lives in the trailer park. He's really poor. But I think in the original book, it does mention how... how the girls are really poor and how John is very poor but mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like the modern readers don't really pay that much attention to the 
the differences. It's hard yeah. for us to, to realize because as modern readers, we we see, oh, they have they have a maid. Or oh, so they don't they don't have a carriage. Well, you know, big deal. I bet a lot of people didn't have carriages, but it's it's hard. It's hard for us to get what the constructs of the social class were back then. Because to us, it's all foreign. And most of us come from middle class families. Yeah. Yeah. So it's difficult to um, put yourself into that position because you don't see that in your everyday life. Whereas for us now, it might be like, oh, your family can't afford a car or tech. Um, Tech is a big thing, probably. Uh, So I tried to put it in terms that people would understand nowadays like oh you can't afford a phone or that kind of thing it is hard for us to immerse ourselves in the world of the 1800s and to know what would what would show that you had money or didn't or that is that is a tough tough thing to figure out as we're we're reading the original I also understood why John had to lie about his background because when you were in high school, you don't want to stand out too much from the crowd, I think. Right. Like no you, one wants to really be different. Yeah. You want to you want to blend in and not have people pay too much attention to you. In your version, John and uh, Meg, they meet in the uh, trauma class. Oh, yeah. That's another thing that they don't adapt very much. They that Meg really wanted to be an actress and she loved acting and they'll show like Joe's plays and the Christmas scene where all the kids fall through the couch because there's too many people sitting there and Amy's messing up her lines and not fainting right but they don't really center around the fact that Meg was really into acting so Mm -hmm. I tried to kind of put that in they show bits of their plays in the movies mm-hmm. I think in the 1994 film they do mention that in the 19th century uh, you know being an actor it was seen a bit suspicious uh, as a career when I read some of these books that Louis and Mayalk would like to read like Wilhelm Meister and like other German type of literature yet he criticizes life of act Google lock me out and I have to log in <laughs> Oh no! Jeez, come on, Google! Don't you know that people want to talk about Little Women for more than forty minutes at a time? Yeah, they should know my habits already. <laughs> yeah, they should. Louisa May she sometimes kind of criticizes actors' life, like in Joe's Boys. I think Maggie's still like acting, but she she still prefers to be mom and doing those homely things but I was thinking maybe it's because of that sort of bad reputation that the actors had back then maybe that's why she she didn't become a full-time actor maybe maybe I mean it's still not something that like a parent would be thrilled to hear (laughs) I want to be an actor my mom wasn't very happy when I said I want to go to art school (laughs) one of our kids wants to go to art school my sister she She's an actress in an improvisation theater. Oh, okay. 
but she never wanted to make that her full-time job right it's like a fun thing that you do it's like a creative outlet for her yeah oh I I get it because with writing when it was just a hobby I always had ideas and Mm. couldn't wait to sit down and write and now that I'm trying to you know make a writing career and you look at the numbers and the money and sometimes it can be a little daunting to sit down and and actually come up with something because it's just so much more pressure I think that's why it's taken me this long to finally after finishing the March Sisters series get back into really the groove of writing I had several months where I was organizing my house and purging things from the closet and scraping paint off of our outbuildings so we could paint them and a lot of that was you know avoiding avoiding having to sit down and come up with another world so I get that it's it's hard when your artistic um, endeavors merge with career you know Maggie's not the only one who have these questions because then we have Joe who really struggles with her writing career mm-hmm. in the second part of the books. She wrote those trashy novels. Mm-hmm. And then when Freddie came, she started to take herself more seriously as a writer. It's hard to find a balance between right to market and writing, you know, what you really love to write and what you you feel drawn to writing. But if you're going to make a career out of it, it has to sell. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not something just from Joe's time. It definitely, yeah. it definitely influenced me wanting to change genres and do the young adult romance because it's it's popular. The key is finding something that's popular that you really want to write, <laughs> like Little Women adaptations. It was. It was so much fun that I didn't mind doing a popular genre. When you enjoy it, that's the best part. In 19th century, if you were an actor, and then if you would like to combine that with with a family, that might not have been so easy. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure those kinds of careers are hard now, too. And we have, you know, more quicker and more reliable forms of transportation and we have the internet and we have Mm. zoom and i'm sure it's it seems like it's really hard now but i can't imagine back then when they didn't have any of these forms of communication and travel it would have been almost impossible for someone like meg to have a family and a acting career sometimes i come across these people who complain that Meg doesn't become an actress when I read the book I don't think she's that much into acting I think she cared more about having a family yeah I think so too and also how many how many times do we say as a kid oh I'm going to be an actor or I'm going to be an astronaut or I'm going to be a whatever and most of us when we're older don't end up being an actor or an astronaut or some lofty goal that very few people in this world actually end up doing so I wanted to be an archaeologist oh that's that sounds really fun I have a friend who actually is an archaeologist but she's the only one I know who is yeah 
and I was really very close to applying to university to go to study archaeology, but I ended up ah. going to art school. Okay. But, you know, maybe Either someday one. I could go Either back. One sounds good. Yeah, you definitely could. Yeah, if I would want to, but not, yeah. not so much now. Yeah. I still like history and doing this podcast. That's one of those things. Like when you're a history yeah, nerd, this is really good podcasting to do. Yeah, life. and what you do is kind of like archaeology because you're looking to, into all these sources and, you know, with Louisa May Alcott's letters and mm. all the things written about her and, okay, now, what were the times like? When you read the, the original, <laughs> you said, like, you said he was he was funny, but then also annoying. I think there is some kind of this sort of um, thin line when funny becomes a bit annoying yeah especially when you're a teenager yeah I think so there is a fine line between being funny and crazy and goofy and taking things too far and I think especially with teenagers it's easy to cross that line especially when you're with your friends or there's people people you want to impress we all have that one friend that we can really get into trouble with and I think yeah. that was Joe and Lori were each other's one friend. But. And it's funny in the original when he's composing the opera in Vienna after Joe has uh, rejected him. Mm-hmm. There's this moment when he calls Joe a torment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when you call her a torment, why are you pinning on her right. <laughs> for that? I think it was the art fair chapter. There's this moment when Laurie is really frustrated when Joe is preaching him about mm-hmm. the about college. So yeah, because he, he kind of did. He was like going to gambling rooms or whatever and being wild. Sometimes it's just mind blowing to me that people want Joe and Laurie to get there because I know Laurie has a crush on Joe, but then he also thinks Joe is a torment, and he is so annoyed with Joe. Laurie doesn't like yeah. Joe always that much. I think there was some kind of a need to have Joe in his life because he needed someone to tell him what to do with his life. Yeah. But when I was reading your book, I thought it was interesting because there were some moments when John makes these observations that Laurie goes to do these things that Joe wants to do that he doesn't want to do himself. Because he just wants to, you know, be with her and do stuff she wants to do. He watched... Films that oh, won Academy Awards. <laughs> yeah, the movies that she wanted to watch that he thought were stupid. Stuff like that. And it was very close to the book. I kind of feel sad for Laurie because I felt like he was wasting his time on on Joe. Then I feel bad for Joe because he, he was really like pinning on her when she didn't want his attention. Yeah, it's not romantic. There's not much romantic about um about their relationship that's why I loved that cartoon because they were very clearly friends and had like a brother and sister kind of relationship and they fought in that cartoon and I remember a scene where Orion gets mad at her and comes into his house and is like kind of huffing and puffing and like throws his hat at the door and it, it it clearly shows that they drive each other crazy, but are still very dear friends, which, you know, is, is 
pretty common with a, mm. a close friend, brother, sister kind of relationship. But yeah, so when I was watching the movies as a teenager or a kid, I didn't understand that either. Like why? Because from what I read and seen in the cartoon, I'm like, why is this like a a love thing when they never really were? One of my friends said that it's not really a love thing. It's actually Laurie just that he just yeah. wants to have sex with her. Oh. <laughs> maybe there is some maybe, of that. but I think it was more, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but I think it was more like he, he just felt like he belonged in the family and, and loved the whole family. And nowadays you can be an add on to a family in any way, shape or form. But in those times, I think you add it on by getting married. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of the logical progression. Because when Laurie proposes Joe, it feels like there is, he feels a lot more immature than Joe in that scene. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he says these things like, I gave up billiards and all to be with you. Yeah, he, he gets a little silly there. It's a really funny line when he says that. It's such a bad reason for Joe to marry right. him. That he just wants to like play house with her. Yeah, and it shows how he's grown up and been handed everything. So he's like, well, but I did this. Mm. That was probably a lot of work for him. Wow, I gave this up. I mm-hmm. gave something up. I This is big stuff. And she's not reacting the way he thought she would. <laughs> everything else is, I want this. Okay, here you go. Yeah. yeah. He, didn't, he didn't know what to do. Or how to act when he doesn't get the thing he says he wants. There's an interesting parallel because when Laurie goes to Vienna, then he goes to Varosa to be with Amy. And it shows this gradual growth process that he has. And then Joe has the similar growth process in New York. So in a way, their story is parallel in part mm-hmm. two. And I think yeah, that's... They're good, good foils for each other. Yeah. So that is completely missed in... 99% of little woman adaptations. Yeah. yeah, I think there's just not enough time because they try to cram this big complicated book, which is actually two books, into mm. at most four hours of a mini series. And I feel that some of them don't even read the book. Oh, yeah. It, it does seem like it. Or they read with a specific lens they're mm. looking through. They they want it to say something, so they they pick up on the parts that they that reinforce what they think and ignore the parts that tell a different story. <laughs> Maybe they, they read it as a kid and this is what they remember. Exactly. Or I think some people use the book only as like an extra guide to the movies. Mm. That's a bit weird, yeah, that... but I, I come across people who do that. Yeah, that could be. That could be a big part of it too, because the movies are def- definitely different from the books. I was wondering, do you know a lot about Anna Alcott, the real life Meg? I know a little bit about her, but not, you know, not as much as as I would know about, you know, Louisa or yeah. May, or even Lizzie, I guess, or Bron. Bron- what's the dad's name? Bronson. I don't know a lot about Anna except that her real husband got along pretty well with with Louisa and he was 
in part the model for John is something I've heard. We talked about the age gaps. Anna Algot was actually one year older than John Bratt. And mm. I thought that was interesting because is... in the book there is the age gap. Right. I wonder why. I guess because she wanted to make him tutor of the Lawrences. That's an interesting change. John Pratt was like a lawyer or a banker. Okay. I don't really remember. Maybe because Louisa and I like teachers. Maybe that's why uh-huh. John is a teacher. Oh, maybe because her father was a teacher. Yeah. And then there was Emerson and other yeah. big philosophers <laughs> in her life. John does become like a secretary uh-huh. for the yeah. Lawrences later on when Laurie is graduating he doesn't mm-hmm. need tutor anymore so John continues to work for the Lawrences but right. in a different position she was able to combine those ideas one of the things that I liked in your book was this warm relationship between older Mr. Lawrence and John I liked I really like Mr. Lawrence in in the, you know 99% of the adaptations I can't think of one I'd I didn't like I just always thought he was a great character and I wanted to kind of show that in my books and kind of have the mentor figure that that John didn't have in his life the stable kind of father grandfatherly figure in the original he's written to be a more of a philanthropist even though he's very wealthy and when Beth becomes ill he's the one who calls the doctor now his own doctor to to come in yeah. and help, yeah. And he also is the one that sends John with, yeah, with Marmy to, to kind of help her out when she's in Washington. Yeah, with, with uh, Father March. When he's when he's heard. Heard. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Lawrence. It's almost like he works in the background helping everyone. Mm-hmm. Also how they, when they give up their breakfast to the poor family, and then they come home and he's seen what they did and thought that was really neat. And so he gives them a feast that's even grander than what they had in the first place. I think he recognized that generosity and it's something that obviously he likes to be the philanthropist. And that was kind of their their small way of the same. And he wanted to give to them since they'd given to others and they Mm -hmm. always say they kind of always I've gotten the impression that they they gave Lori the credit oh it's his grandson must have talked him into it and I don't think so I think it was him the whole time true (laughs) he was always that John was more quiet about things not as flashy so he kind of quietly did stuff like that in the background like you said I think it was all him. <laughs> I once read that um, Emerson was maybe the real life uh, Mr. Lawrence. Okay. Because he financially helped the Alcots a lot. I don't know. Maybe. Or at least parts. Parts of him. Well, some say he was also mother for Frederick. Yeah. I think because Emerson uh, allowed Louisa to borrow books from his library. So okay. that definitely is something that Fred does with Joe. Well, a lot of times when you write, you might get ideas for a character from various mm-hmm. experiences in real life or 
you might change some things or combine two characters into one or take a couple things from someone you know and give parts of them to different characters it, it wouldn't surprise me if that part of him was something that made an impression on her and then she used it whether she knew it or not sometimes it's just you know the way you were brought up and the way you know you might not even so consciously know I'm going mm -hmm. to base this this aspect of this character on my neighbor and it might just be something that made an impact on you and then it comes out in this creative way. Frederick is very, he's a mixed character, same as Laurie. I just like to make these connections with these real life people. Yeah. It's fun. Well, real life people definitely influence the way you see the world and that's the way your art is going to come out. There's some things that uh, I thought were kind of funny in Anna Alcott, like that. Luisa didn't really like fan mail, but Anna always replied to the fan mail. Then she would write that this is from the real life Meg March. And that <laughs> oh, that's funny. She had a really neat handwriting when Lu you couldn't always read. If uh, Louise had written yeah. something, she had very messy handwriting. <laughs> but Anna's handwriting is very neat. Doesn't that totally sound like a Meg and Joe thing? Yes. <laughs> May Alcott's handwriting is very artistic, very pretty. Okay. And then Anna Alcott, it's very neat and punctual. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That is funny. Yeah. And then Louisa's is crazy creative all over the place, messy. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. I really want to do more research on Anna Alcott because I think Meg is sort of labeled as not very artistic like the other sisters. But I think right. there are many different layers in Meg's character. It, it, a lot of people will be like, oh, she's the boring one. She's just the one that gets older and has a family and she's the mom. But there's a lot of interesting things about her and about their relationship too. In Good Wives, we see them, you know, different parenting styles, having to navigate that, being exhausted from having young children and still working on your relationship um you know the time the worst my husband and I ever argued was when our son was little and he was a kid who woke up every hour on the hour we were both exhausted you know you're a different person when when you're so tired and they yeah. do kind of explore those those things and you know what do you do when your husband invites someone over and you're not ready and Things are kind of a disaster, you know, that happens nowadays in real life. You know, the house is a mess and in comes the person invited for dinner. <laughs> they kind of explored that stuff too. And I think it's quite amazing in Little Woman how it goes from these different ages of human life in very nuanced ways. I think we talked about this last time, how we identify ourselves with Meg now more than we did yeah. when we were younger. We identify ourselves with Meg now because we are more mature and it's funny because when I was a younger I couldn't really identify with her. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa take it easy Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Same way like I did with Beth or with Joe. Mm-hmm. But I think now I, I can see a lot of myself in Meg. When I was a kid, I probably identified best with Beth because I was quieter and always wanted to be around pets especially cats and Beth always had the cat and the cartoon just wasn't really like Joe I wasn't outgoing but then in high school and young adulthood it was Joe who I identified with because I loved to write and I wanted to be a writer and be creative and now as I'm older, it's probably more Meg that I identify with because she's a mom and a stay at well, a stay at home. Everyone basically stayed at home. All, a lot of women, um, although not in little women, because they they had to go out and help support their family. But family was the center of her world, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm not sure when or if I'll ever identify with Amy, but we'll see. <laughs> although I do like Amy. She's a fun character. A lot of people think you have to hate Amy if you like Joe, but I don't think so. I like both. I don't think I have a favorite sister. No, I think I've gone through times of my life when I have had favorite sisters, but now I think I kind of just like the whole unit, (laughs) the March family as a unit, because if you didn't have one, they would be so different, um, the rest of them, and the whole family and the relationships that make the story. When I was a child, Beth was also my favorite character because mm-hmm. I had really bad social anxiety. So okay. I could relate to that. But then later on, I really liked Joe and Amy because they were the artistic ones. But mm-hmm. now I think, now I think I identify with Meg. So it's funny. I think Friedrich is my favorite character. Oh, he's a great character. But it's because I had a crush on him oh. <laughs> from a very young age. Did you have a crush on one of the actors or the character? Both. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But I also really like Laurie. And there are people yeah. who say that you cannot like Laurie and like Frederick. I don't oh, really see like why. Both. You can like both. I like John too. I like Laurie, but I don't like Laurie in a romantic way. I think he's great with Amy. There's a lot of characters to really love you know Mr. Lawrence and Marmy and Aunt March in her own way (laughs) I really love the scene in your book with Aunt March coming in the end shouting at Meg that she should not be with John because John is so poor and I was laughing so hard because because it was such a funny scene it's a really funny scene in the book as well (laughs) and in all the movies when she just like bustles in there and is like you blah 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 and then that's really the catalyst for Meg actually realizing she does on a 1949 film that's pretty close okay. to the book when she 
She goes to the March house and then I think John had forgot his umbrella there. So he mm-hmm. hears everything that she says. Mm-hmm. And that's also in the book. And she's like, you cannot marry that poor guy. <laughs> it was so it's funny. Like, it backfires on her. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they really put that to the others. There's like Aunt March complaining that Meg wants to be with the poor guy but it's so much funnier when she comes to rant about it and then yeah Meg goes to defend him and it's funny that before she comes Meg is just kind of like oh no I don't think I will marry this guy and then so it totally backfires on her she's complaining about him and then that's what when Meg kind of stands up for him like you said she also reminds herself of all his great qualities and Aunt March never should have said anything, I guess. That's what she wanted it to go like. How old she was? She was 17 when that happened. That's in the first part of Little Woman. That's like the end of the first part, right? Yeah, that's quite towards the end. Because then we have Joe being all pouty because Meg is going to get married. And then they're all together. And that's kind of where it ends, I think. And then it goes into Good Wives. Yeah, that's another thing that's really interesting because when Anna Alcott got engaged, Louisa was upset, but it was because their sister Lizzie had died only a month before that. Mm. And she was afraid that if Anna would get married, she would have lost two sisters. And then May, I believe, was planning to move to Europe. So all her sisters were leaving. Right. So I think there's yeah. a lot more context in the original story than in Little Woman. Why Joe? Why she would be so upset? Yeah. yeah, because a lot of people wonder why she's so upset. Well, I think the original historical story actually explains it much better. Yeah, because Beth doesn't die until much later in the the book, so it does seem kind of kind of irrational that. When what did people do back then? They grew up and got married and went off to their own households, you know? It shouldn't have been something that was that traumatic or surprising to Joe. But yeah, that's interesting that that it all happened after Lizzie had died. And that's probably where Louisa's mindset was as she was writing this. But I didn't know that. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that I found out this myself. Apparently, their mother was also quite... Not so happy that they decided to get engaged that soon after mm-hmm. Lizzie had died. Oh. But I think it was also because um, Anna was already 32 when that happened. If she was 32 when she married, that was a pretty late age to get married in 19th yeah. century. Maybe then, that's why she didn't want to wait. <laughs> yeah, I I think so too. Her sister had died. And I want to make a very big research about this because it's really interesting did they have kids in real life yeah they had two boys okay and the other one uh, was Louisa's favorite uh, nephew and I read one speculation that maybe he was inspiration for Frederick's nephew Franz who is Joe's favorite that would make sense yeah or maybe Demi, who is like Max and John's uh, son. Son. Because they had 
uh, two daughters and a son. I, I kind of like that because France and Joe have a really nice relationship. Yeah, maybe she wanted to get married soon because she was pretty old. Yeah, back for then. those times. Yeah. I'm 34 and I, I'm not in a hurry to get married, but like... Back in the days when people's oh. life expectancy was like 40 years or right. lower. <laughs> That's a big part of it too. We have time to do stuff. I also understand Louisa because you have one sister dead. Then mm-hmm. second one wants to move abroad. You probably never see her again. Mm-hmm. Because if she lives in an, another continent... And then your older sister wants to get married and where she is going to. So I understand that. Yeah, it does. It makes a little more sense to know what was happening in Louisa's real life. Wedding should be a happy thing. Like she does write that she really liked John Pratt and he became more like a brother to her. And she always wanted to have a brother. Yeah, maybe she realized it was a good thing. Like Joe really does end up like John in yeah in the sequels I had this headcanon that in Little Woman Friedrich was John's best friend because John spoke German I think I told you this last time oh yeah. that sounds like it would be that sounds like it would happen yeah. <laughs> I think they would have been friends of course he liked Laurie but Laurie was a lot younger yeah. so you can't yeah. really have that similar experience with him <laughs> Poor little women adaptations <laughs> Next season, I want to read some, like, male Bond fan fictions. <laughs> if I can find them anywhere. You don't really see that in the movies, like the male characters' friendship that no. much. Like, we can see John teaching Laurie, but we don't really see them interact as right. adults. Or... It's, always, it's always about the sisters, yeah. so... Fredrick interacting with Laurie or with John or mm-hmm. sometimes we well, see Fredrick with Joe's parents yeah uh, and we do see a little bit of them older interacting in like little men but not I mean not a ton but there's a little bit of that another really funny scene that really made me laugh <laughs> in your book was the part where Joe was she was a uh, taking a compost back and then she was ranting about Amy and then John was like that was a bit scary but that's oh. really funny <laughs> yeah I always gotta wonder he was probably a little intimidated by some of those sisters Joe can be a bit scary sometimes I think yeah that's because she cannot always control the things that she says right she just blurts things out the temper and the passion and the artist way of just mm. throwing it all out there and yeah yeah that was fun to write I liked writing from the perspective of the guys too because you don't really know what what were they thinking and so that was kind of fun what would you think when you are this kind of introvert bookish guy and come into this family with all the sisters that are you know fighting or laughing together or Joe being mad at Amy for something and quite vocal about it you know what would that feel like I really liked getting to do all the viewpoints yeah that is true it's really nice to see that because in the original book I think there are a few moments when you see bits of 
John's point of view when he and Meg are married, he struggles to understand some of the things that Meg does. But I think that's yeah. normal if you are in a new relationship. The argument about the fabric. When she bought the... When Sally's kind of like, come on, buy it, buy it. So she yeah. did. Then they kind of have the little argument, yeah. Then there's a lawyer's point of view when he falls in love with Amy. Mm-hmm. But not really much before that. No. There, no, there's really not. And then there is a Friedrich's point of view when he falls in love with Joe. But I always like to point out that Joe and Laurie shippers who sometimes like to troll me that <laughs> try to look a scene from a woman where Laurie is thinking Joe romantically because there is none. No. It yeah. really is kind of out of the blue. <laughs> well, it must not have been too out of the blue for her because she's like worried about it earlier in the mm. book. To me as a viewer, it's it's out of the blue. I think it kind of shows that he wasn't really thinking about it because when he's writing the opera for Joe, there's this moment when he doesn't really care who the leading character of his opera is yeah. going to be. So it feels like he didn't really care who he was going to marry. He just wanted to be married. Yeah, it does. It does seem like that. And all of a sudden, he's thinking of Amy. Yeah. I think he was pinning on Joe because Joe was so familiar. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So he thought yeah. maybe life with Joe would be easy because we have so much fun to, fun together. Probably. Yeah, something like that. Would you like to tell me how you name your characters? Well, I tried to kind of make them similar to, but not quite the same names. Most of them are pretty, pretty obvious. Some of them needed to get be a little modernized, but most of them, it's just a form of, of what Louisa had. Maybe Belle, Belle was Bella, and there was a Clara who I made Claire, just little changes basically, mm. but Megan instead of Margaret and you can still recognize them. Yeah. I think that's the main point. Do you have any uh, literal inspirations for young adult books? I do. I like a lot of different young adult authors. As far as the sweet romance goes, my favorite is probably Judy Corey. She writes a lot of really good YA with a little more substance to them than just the romantic couple. They're always kind of dealing with other things, too, within the romance. And so I really like her books. Uh, she was one of the first sweet romance authors I read a few years ago when I was trying to get into the genre, and I still really, really like hers. 
I do like Judy Corey. Um, I like Emma St. Clair, but she's more adult than YA. Um, but I do like her sweet romance. Yeah, I'm kind of not good at, at <laughs> pulling names out. Yeah. I can look through my Kindle and be like, oh, that book, that book, that book. But as an author, I should be better at that, but I'm not. I think it's because I read so much that it all just kind of blends together. You're a big reader. Yeah. I try to be. <laughs> I think I have these like waves when I read a lot, then I don't mm-hmm. read much, and then I read a lot again. It well, comes and goes. The things that I see you posting about reading are in English. So is that, does it take you longer to read in English since well, it does? It it kind of depends on what I'm reading. Okay. It's funny because I think I'm really slow reading fiction in English. Okay. Like I can read like academic text very easily in English, like biographies and stuff. But really? then if I read fiction in English, it's really much slower. I don't know why. Hmm. That seems like it would be the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> that's in, That's very interesting. I can't read in any other language, so I I respect people who can read and speak multiple languages. I read lots of fiction in Finnish, but when mm-hmm. I read fiction in English, it can be very difficult to um, understand the storyline because okay. I don't really understand all the concepts in fiction right. when I read it. Maybe that's well, it. Because different, I guess in academic, there's a certain way of writing yes academically which is across the board whether you're from whatever Florida or Minnesota but when you're writing about different people in different parts of the United States maybe they use different different slang or different Mm -hmm. they just talk differently maybe that's it like it's easy for me to read Little Woman in English because I have studied so much but right. like reading some other series in English in English it might not be that easy because I don't know that world so there right. might be concepts that I don't get like I, I was trying to read Jane Austen in English and I really struggled with it okay because it has its own world yeah it's interesting but that's the way it is that is interesting yeah I think one of the things that I liked about uh, in your book is the way you described the uh, Lawrence house in the way it would be in modern day. I, it's very impressive already in the original book. And then compared to the March house, which like everything is pretty close there, which also shows how they are very close as a family. And then the Lawrence house, it's big and it's empty. Right. And, and it has these beautiful rooms that nobody uses it's almost like forgotten. The time has forgotten it. Yeah. And I think when Laurie moves in, he kind of, like, I think he's, Livens it up. he's 15 is when he moves in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is why I think the adaptation should have Laurie's point of view, how he was only mm-hmm. living in a boarding house somewhere in France or Italy, England. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. I think France. Maybe France. I don't I don't remember. They make a big deal about how he can speak French. There's a big contrast between the March family and the Lawrences and 
We can even see that in the way they live. So when Laurie moves in with his grandfather, he feels very, very out of place. And then Joe, Joe comes and be my friend. Hey, <laughs> let's be friends. So he kind of sees Joe as his savior. Which may be why later he gets stuck on the idea of getting married to Joe. Exactly. And maybe it's more like him wanting to pay back her uh, or something. It's a good theory anyway. Have you ever heard from Aunt March and Mr. Lawrence Shippers? <laughs> no, but it seems like something people would ship. <laughs> Sometimes they have their moments. Isn't I don't know if this is actually in the book, but I think in one of the movie adaptations, he like asks her to dance at Meg's wedding and she's just kind of like, hmm, and like walks away or whatever. <laughs> I think they dance in the 2017 miniseries. Do they? Okay. <laughs> I thought that was interesting when I first heard about it because I had not okay. heard about it before, but I think people come up with weirdest just want to ship anything. Yeah, people ship anything. Yeah, they're the two old people. Mr. Lawrence is so much nicer than Aunt March. Yeah, he is. I wouldn't like to be Joe working for Aunt March. No. She did like Amy, so she liked somebody. Oh, that's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lawrence and Aunt March shippers. Apparently, there is a ship for them. That's funny. In your version, when we have uh, Meg trying to fit into the popular girls, like she's a cheerleader, and mm-hmm. then Sally Moffat is also a cheerleader and her best friend. Yep. She's nominated to be a prom queen, Meg. Meg and Sally, I think, both. Yeah. And then another girl. I don't really know about proms because... We don't really have them here. It's one of those things that feels so big when you're in high school. And then when you're an adult, at least for those of us who weren't into prom, you look back on it and think, huh, why was that such a big deal? But it is to a lot of teenagers, especially Mm -hmm. the popular group who's going to be involved in it. And it was nice that in your version, Meg's glove was actually a pom-pom. Oh, yeah. That was funny. I like that. Hey. Yeah. Clever. I kind of thought that was funny, too. That was one of those things where you can see how Maggie's kind of struggling, struggling with her sort of high school reputation and then wanting to be with John, who is really an outcaster. We have this, like, a teenage TV series here in Finland. Uh, about a, a popular girl who falls in love with the, with the most nerdiest guy in, in high school. <laughs> so that kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. That series. That sounds like, like a cute series. It is. And honestly, <laughs> like the girl in the series, she's a bit more like Amy. She loves pink and very girly and a uh, bit, um, bit immature, but also quite sexual. I'd say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and the guy is super nerdy. He's really uh-huh. cute, but he's very nerdy. <laughs> and uh, then the girl is so wrecked when everybody finds out that she likes the, the nerd uh-huh. and she loses her reputation and and there's all this drama. <laughs> like, it re- it kind of reminded me of your book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you are this 
popular in high school, like Mac is, there are things that you lose when you fall, fall out of that um, click. You won't be saved seats. You won't be invited to these social gatherings. Mm-hmm. You won't be, you become invisible, I guess, or you will be bullied. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that very well could happen too. Now, in my story, I didn't have to deal too much with the fallout because it was at the end of the year and they were all graduating and there was some of that with the the prom stuff and the also kids I don't think really look to the future very much they don't really see what's happening past next week a lot of them so even though they were the whole high school was coming to an end for my characters the whole social thing still was very especially for the main character very uh important to her whereas as adults you and I can look and say okay in a month this experience won't matter well she remembered when the family was wealthy or wealthier and they could have all these nice things and they had more money to spend that she got invited to this social gathering of young girls it was exciting for her and she did want it to belong to that crowd and joe didn't even want to go (laughs) she kind of was forced into it so yeah i think that's why meg has longing for that time when things were easier because she also knows what people are saying about her family that there are these gossip about her father how they are abolitionist and i mean he he used to be a teacher but then the his school was shut down yeah because he took a black child there. Which would have been a huge social deal then. Yeah. So they were really shut down almost by their former friends. Meg really suffered that a lot because she remembered what it was right. like. And Joe doesn't really remember that. And well, the other sisters. They were little, very mm-hmm. little. I don't know why Joe doesn't remember much because she's not much younger than Meg, but maybe just she didn't because she it wasn't something that she would have cared about. Yeah, it wouldn't have stuck in her mind as much as other things. Or maybe for Joe, it was more like more like the other people are attacking attacking them, and she doesn't understand why. Yeah, maybe. But Meg, she understands why and how things are and enveloping. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So maybe that's why it was a big deal for her. Probably. Mm. Well, and the other two were much yeah. younger, so they wouldn't even have memories of that. I liked in your book when we have these moments when Meg is sort of trying to figure out who she is and what she wants from life. Because mm-hmm. I think that's one of those things in Meg's character that are really important in the original novel, how she starts to form her own identity. But then she really struggles to find the things that are important to her because of this social pressure that's has huge impact on her. I, I think it has a bigger impact on her than Joe and Amy and others. Yeah, it's almost like she's grown up thinking that this is exactly what she wants. And then all of a sudden she realizes maybe what she's always thought she's wanted isn't actually <laughs> the best things in life to strive for. But yeah, she is still, and well, like we said, she is the one who remembers what it was like to live a different life with more money and more invitations to these these gatherings and hanging out with richer people and all that. So yeah, I I remember not really putting it together as a kid. But as an adult, it really struck me how when she comes home from the Vanity Fair, she basically tells her mom and Joe everything that happened and all the stuff that she didn't like Mm. about being with those girls and those people and the gossips and the what people were saying. There was a lot of that that she didn't really like. But as a kid, all I remembered was, you know, the dressing up and the ball Mm. and the the fun and all that yeah and then there was the rumor that Meg's mom had been planned planning Meg and Lori to marry and Meg was so angry about that and mommy was really angry about it I think there was some of that in your novel too that oh she's after the Lawrence boy to some of the girls at the sorority where she goes which is the vanity fair in the book are like assuming because she's friends with them that she's trying to be interested in marrying in or dating I guess it would be in this day and age Mm -hmm. (laughs) because when you're 17 you're probably not (laughs) going to be making marriage plans then in your version she also wanted to be part of a sorority in college sorority yeah sorority Yeah. yeah So that's what the Vanity Fair ended up um, translating to. It was a, in my book, it's a, like a preview day of the various sororities that she goes to and thinking, oh, this is what I've always wanted to be in my whole life. And so excited to check that lifestyle out. And then as in the original, she comes away from the experience thinking, oh, well, there's some good, but some maybe not so good and Mm. kind of reevaluating her idea of what it is and if she 
really wants to be a part of it. That's also a big part of growing up, really, that you find your own uh, passions. Sponsor of this episode is Etsy. On Etsy, you can start your own shop and reach their millions of customers. With the link in the description, you can add your first 40 listings for free. Our second sponsor is bookshop.org. Bookshop.org works to connect readers with independent booksellers all over the world. They believe local bookstores are essential community hubs that foster culture, curiosity and love for reading and are committed to helping them thrive. Every purchase on the site financially supports independent bookstores. Platform gives independent bookstores tools to complete online and financial support to help them maintain their presence in local communities. You can find the link from the description as well. I think I already mentioned this to you. I really like the part where Meg says that Joanna has learned to control her temper better recently. When she has started to date the the other guy. Oh, yeah. Not the Lawrence boy. (laughs) (laughs) Not that one. The Frederick character. One thing that was different from mine is that in Louisa May Alcott's Joe is the very last romance (laughs) but with mine I wanted Joe because everyone kind of thinks of Joe when they think of little little women so I wanted to start things off she's kind of the more exciting character usually so I wanted to start off with her but then I ran into the issue in the future books wait he's already here so how do we work Frederick in to the other storylines so that was interesting to have to figure out I thought it was nice how you can see them now through these other characters from their eyes the way Meg sees how good he is to her Mm -hmm. Meg sees her sister becoming this person that that she's meant to be because of this other guy how he helps her and I, I really look forward to read the Amy and Laurie book now. <laughs> and the Beth book too. The Beth one was the definitely the most challenging one. Because there's no backstory. There's nothing in the original. Just here's Beth. She's shy and plays the piano and has cats and dolls and now she dies. So it was a lot more kind of going on a, a character outline than a fully formed character and relationship so that one I kind of had to do a lot more original story for than I did the other ones there's so much Amy and Lori in both Good Wives and Little Women that then for my last book it kind of made up for having to make stuff up because there was so much to draw from I look forward to it, both of them. Yeah, Beth is interesting because it's kind of funny because when I read the Finnish version, I got this impression that she had a crush on Laurie. But when I read the English one, I wondered, like, did she have a crush on him or not? Because I think maybe it was the translation that kind of romanticized him in her eyes a bit more than the English one. But okay. then I read that Lizzie Alcott had a secret admirer, so 
or that oh. she had a crush on someone. So I was like, okay. maybe my maybe. childhood, Laurie and Beth romance had some kind of base on reality. Maybe. That was interesting. I, I just always thought that Joe thinks Beth has a little crush on Laurie. And then later she finds out it was because she kept staring out the window and she thought that Beth was staring after Lori and she was quieter and more flustered. And so she was seeing all these signs of, of having a crush or being in love. And later, Joe, I think it says that Joe realizes it was because Beth was realizing she was not going to get better. True. And it was kind of more the coming to terms, I guess, with her mortality. I read that Lizzie Alcott had a crush on some neighbor boy and that mm-hmm. Lisa May Alcott thought that she was in love with somebody. I didn't know that part, so yeah. that's well, maybe. <laughs> when I read the Finnish version as a child and I thought, okay, maybe Beth has a crush on Laurie. Now I think, okay, maybe mm-hmm. that was validated. <laughs> but <laughs> then I read the English version. I didn't feel that she had a feelings for Laurie that were right. romantic, only like sisterly feelings very interesting yeah it is all kinds of fan fictions we could have here yeah and (laughs) just that she did have a crush on somebody i will look forward to read your book (laughs) (laughs) that is a very mysterious character she is because there's just not a lot about her some of the research that i've read about lizzie alba it feels very one-dimensional but maybe it's because People tend to read her through Beth's character. Probably. Do you have a favorite Meg on movies or Little Woman adaptations? Mm. <clears throat> well, I love almost everything about the 1994 one. So I like that actress. I also really liked the Meg in the modern adaptation movie. That 2018. Yeah, I really liked her. Those two are good ones. Yeah, those two, I think, are my favorite Megs. I think Trini Alvarado in the 1994 film is maybe closest to the book Meg. She did play it pretty pretty close to the original. She has that quiet strength that the character has. Yeah, uses. she does. Uh, one thing that I liked in the modern version is the way it kind of shows how the family was very religious. Meg, she goes to parties, she drinks, and but then she also has these very conflicted feelings about being there, being part of the social crowd and the popular kids there. It kind of played on her fate, that adaptation. That version made very clear that their father was like a pastor. Religious, yeah, a chaplain. And the family was quite different to the other people in the town. When I grew up, my best friend came from a very religious family. So I kind of felt that she had some similar experiences when we were growing up. Okay. She always felt guilty after she drank something mm. with alcohol, or even if she smoked. Like, she always felt really okay. guilty afterwards. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the March sisters would have been like that because, you know, in the book, Maybe. they don't like to drink, and uh, they have some pretty strong views about Laurie when he smokes cigarettes right like, to the billiard place and yeah all these things that were not seen very pro- appropriate <laughs> back then right so i can see meg feeling quite conflicted by those things 
there's one thing that I really love when I read Little Men again. There's this moment where Frederick says that he stopped smoking because he wanted to show good examples for the students. Okay. And I really like that. I didn't remember that part. That's interesting. <laughs> it's funny yeah. because Joe is so not happy with Laurie when he smokes, but she doesn't have problems right. with Frederick smoking. <laughs> that is funny. They say that love makes us blind. Yes. That was funny. Laurie gave up smoking for Joe, or he says right. he did. But Friedrich gave up smoking for the students, apparently. The students, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that also goes back to how people see the mothering aspect, how Joe would kind of mother Lori. That's so true. So she would want to be telling him what he shouldn't do. And Friedrich, what she was never trying to be a sisterly or motherly role with. No, he can make no. his own decisions, but she's going to tell Lori what he should not be doing. Yeah, that was so fun to read. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that. That is funny. Yeah, last time I read it, I highlighted all the Friedrich parts so I can oh, make, a, make it to the podcast someday. I I haven't read Little Men very many times. I've read Little Women over and over and over and over. And I like Little Men, but I just haven't read it maybe twice. Once recently, because I wanted to kind of know where that went as I was writing mine, and then once Mm. when I was younger, but I don't know it nearly as well as I know Little Women. Yeah, I've read Little Man many times when I was younger, but I haven't really read it as an adult. Now I have read it a couple of times for the podcast. I liked in Little Men just seeing the grown sisters and their husbands interact, and how they're still friends and. How Lori is still the fun uncle who comes in yeah. and riles them all up and then is like, well, bye. <laughs> Joe is stuck trying to calm them down for bed or whatever. Stuff like that I found funny. Well, Little Man is also heartbreaking because we lose John in that book. I know. I saw the, as I was reading it, because I didn't remember much about it at all when I read it when I was younger and I'm reading it. And like, I think the chapter is named John Brooke or something. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) And that's what it was. And I'm just like, no, we can't lose him. And he was such a good character and a father. And there's this funny moment when Friedrich says that when he and Laurie got married, they would ask John for marital advice. Oh, okay. Somebody write a book about that. (laughs) Yeah, we need that. We need that episode. What what would he say? (laughs) Do many ask about marital advice i don't know right i don't know either <laughs> i want to read that <laughs> i just want to know what he said <laughs> someone needs to write that but he had been married for the longest you'll have yeah. to do a little men podcast sometime yeah i'm now doing these readings of the different chapters in little woman but mm-hmm. at some point we will move into little men after we have done little woman <laughs> When I have free hour or whatever, I need to go and listen to the last one you posted with all the questions. With people's questions, I've been wanting to listen to it since you posted it, but it was the last week of school and graduation and yeah, and helped out with a friend's parents' funeral luncheon and then my husband was off school and all these appointments for the kids that we pushed off until summer so that we wouldn't have to take them out of school. So it's been kind of (laughs) crazy, but I need to remember to go back. I kept the email because I'm on the mailing list. I'm like, as long as I keep the email in my box, I'll see it when I'm randomly scrolling (laughs) down, trying to clean it out. And I'll be like, oh yeah, that, I still have to go back to that and listen to it. 
because it sounded interesting. It was fun to make. And people make really good questions that I don't really think myself when I mm. do the podcast. So it's okay. always really fun to make those Q&As. Well, I have some outside work to do, so maybe I'll put it on my phone while I'm doing my outside work today. Yeah, I always try to listen to a podcast when I'm doing the dishes or something. Mm-hmm. Or laundry or something. Yeah, something. <laughs> something to keep me busy. Multitasking. Yes. I wanted to ask more about John's character. Would you like to tell how you started to develop him? I think I've written so many books and and the way that I come up with books, with stories, I think a lot about the stories before I ever sit down to write. And I write out of order. A lot of people sit down and they start with the first word of chapter one and the last thing they write is the last word of the last chapter and then they go back and edit it. But I don't really write that way. So I skip around and if I have an idea for, oh, I think this would be a funny scene or oh, this is an important conversation I want to get in, I'll write that part. So I write the pieces and then I put it all together. That's kind of a hard thing for me to answer because I don't sit down and like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people will sketch out their characters. Like this is what they look like. And these are their characteristics. And these are, this is their backstory. And, but for me, it kind of comes from the interactions or the conversations or the important pieces that I think of and then get down first and then I kind of fill the rest of it in. I can't really tell you, I'll give you a good answer to that. <laughs> kind of what I did was for watching the adaptations and reading the original, I would like make note about things that the original character did or said or his backstory. And then I just kind of, as I was writing, kind of tried to incorporate those and modernize them and add a little bit of my own flair which kind of came together each draft my characters become more concrete and more well-rounded because I am kind of fleshing it out Mm. my first drafts are not not very complete it's a lot of conversation and banter and a little bit of description and then I go in and layer them until the books end up longer and with more subplots and characters become more more real to me so I guess that kind of answers your question well it was a good answer like you start to shape the character from the conversations I might come up with ideas later and then I have to go back in and make it consistent like oh this character likes whatever well now I have to go back in and make sure they like that team or food or whatever from the beginning to the end I guess my characters kind of develop along with the plot and the theme and I was thinking how in your story John's mom is an alcoholic and then mm-hmm. I think in some Louis and Malcolm stories there are some characters who be described to be alcoholics like okay. uh, in Rosie Bloom Charlie he he does have a drinking problem somebody commented I think Maybe it was some little woman discussion group that mm-hmm. they are convinced that Louisa May Alcott knew someone with a drinking problem based mm-hmm. on Charlie's behavior. Well, that for me kind of developed because I wanted I wanted to figure out how to get him, my John character, to be living at the Lawrences. And if you had a stable home, you wouldn't think 
oh, maybe I should go live with these people I'm working for because you would just drive the five minutes to to work for them and you'd go home. So part partly I knew I wanted him to have an unstable family life to get him to be in a position where he would be living there. So he would be next to the marches and kind of having that little brother relationship, having Laurie kind of as a little brother as well as a tutor who he was, well, or a tutee, I guess. So that was kind of where that started. In the book, his mom had been sick, the the original, and you wouldn't like up and (laughs) ditch your mom if she was like, oh, I have cancer or I have whatever. It had to be more of an emotional, mental addiction kind of thing to facilitate him wanting to move in with them. So that's kind of, I think, how I ended up working that in. Yeah, I think if John's mom would have been like deadly ill, he would not have left her. He's that kind of a character. I had to make him want to leave. (laughs) I wonder, do you think Laurie might have had some kind of ADHD or problems with focusing? Maybe. Yeah. When I read Little Woman last time, I felt that he really struggles to focus on one thing at a time. Like I hear sometimes people say yeah. that Joe has problems with that, but I think Laurie has yeah. them even more. Yeah, but if Joe is interested in something, she will for days obsess over that. Yeah. So I don't think she she pays attention to what she wants to. Yeah. I wonder if Lori did have some kind of a attention deficit. So it's looking for any kind of a distraction almost. I do feel that when I read the book, like the whole sequence of him is trying to decide if he wants to be with Joe or with Amy. It feels the same. Like he cannot focus on composing the opera when he dreams about one girl and then he dreams about the other girl. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And they wouldn't have had any kind of words for that back then no labels or you would just kind of be seen as kind of spacey probably maybe an undiagnosed ADHD I wouldn't be surprised in your version he really had struggles with school that's why he needed the private tutor it was kind of almost more like he didn't didn't care Mm. (laughs) you gotta stay on task kid after he was rejected by Joe, he I think he said to his grandfather that the whole college was like labor lost or something. He was trying to be the person that she would want. And it didn't work. No. It's kind of sad. Maybe he should have gone to study music or something. He went to I have internship so. with his grandfather after that. Yeah. In the original. There's so much in that book. We could read it over and over and over and still get something new. That is Every true. time I read it, I do. I notice something that I didn't notice. Seems like it works out all right for everyone in the end, except for poor Beth. So in, in your version, Laurie's mom was a musician and his father was also a musician. His mom was a music teacher and his dad is like a famous musician than mine. And his grandfather didn't like his mom didn't want her to get involved in all that stuff Mm. but she was kind of being a typical teenager and a little whimsical about we were talking earlier about oh becoming an actor isn't Mm. really something that any parent would love to hear but oh I want to be a musician following a famous band around probably wouldn't be something that you'd want to hear your child say either properly that's why Laurie wanted to 
be more involved with music is because he felt connection to his parents. Thank you so much for coming here. Oh, thank you for having me. I always like talking with you. Yeah. You always have some insight that I've missed in Little Women. So do you. I always enjoy <laughs> to hear your thoughts. Well, thank you. And I'm glad you enjoyed the second book. And I hope you enjoy the third and fourth. I believe I will. Thanks for coming here. And You're I welcome. will talk to you again later. Have a nice night. And no, have a nice day. I'm going to have a nice <laughs> night. <laughs> yes, you have the nice night. And I'll have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was our discussion for today. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make good choices. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.